Well, it's so good to see everybody back tonight. I know that we had, of course, uh, some that aren't able to be here at all today, and uh, of course, Brother Bob with the uh, with the, the toothache this morning. Uh, that's the worst. That's the single worst feeling that you can have. Just about uh, that toothache. This morning we were talking about laying hold on eternal life, and. Uh, I was just looking over some things this afternoon, and, and I wanted to talk tonight for just a little bit about this idea of the image of God, the fact that we are created in God's image. And I know that for the longest time, I just kind of chalked it up to uh, the fact that we have a soul is how we are created in the image of God. And so normally what we would say is, well, when he says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, he's talking about us being a spiritual being. None of these animals that he created have souls and we have a soul. And so how that, that's how we're made in the image of God. And that's true. But there's so much more to being created in the image of God than that simple fact that we do have a soul or that we are a soul. If you look at Genesis 1 and, and beginning there in verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So he says, let us, let us make man in our image. As we said, that's more than simply, let's just give man a spiritual nature. Think about the word that's translated image. It means form, means image. Resemblance, representative figure. And so there, there's a lot of things that if we're made in, made in the image of God, and even the word that's translated make is that let, let us you know form, let us configure, let, let us any, any word you want to think of is how you would create something or mold something. That's the idea there. We're going we're gonna to uniquely and, and intricately fashion this being in our image or in our likeness in our form and to resemble us as much as is possible. Now they're not going to they're not creating uh, a bunch of gods. And so God is not uh, creating us in his image as if we are now deity, but there's a lot of characteristics that that he displays that we have record of in the Bible that he has created us with. And we're going to look at some of those tonight. He also says according to our likeness or after our likeness and there you have some more distinct words that could have been translated there. Model, manner, pattern, shape, similitude. And so there's a lot of different things going on here that we are created after or in His image and after His likeness. So it's more than the simple fact, singular fact that we... Uh, are a spiritual being. We say sometimes it's not that we have a soul, we are a soul and we have a body, right? 
But I thought tonight we could look at some of these things, some of these characteristics that God displays and that He has created in us that also serve to give us the opportunity and the ability to have a relationship with God. And so He didn't just create a race of robots or automatons that we just, uh, like we said this morning, some people just kind of go through life almost on autopilot. That's not why we were created. And our uh, eternal destiny isn't already automatically decided. And our decision and our life in service to God is not something that's going to automatically happen. He didn't create beings that were going to worship Him and serve Him no matter what. He created us with free will. But the first thing you'll notice is a self-awareness. In Exodus 3, and beginning in verse 13, it said, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, that The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What, what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And so God is self-aware. He, he knows Himself. He knows that it's not as though He is like any other being. He just is. He's not a certain age. He wasn't created. He didn't really have a beginning and won't have an end. He just is. So I am that I am. And He is aware of that and knows that about Himself. And He has created us with that same characteristic. In His image, we also ought to be self-aware or able to understand our place in the grand scheme of things. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, He says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And, you know, James mentions the man who... Uh, who beholds himself in a glass. In other words, he sees his situation in a mirror and then turns and walks away. And that's that idea of being self-aware, being aware of what your situation is, being aware of what you are. And that starts simply with saying, I understand that I'm not a body with a soul, but I literally am a soul with a body. That's the first part of being self-aware. And in that sense, we are created in God's image. God is aware of Himself and we are aware of ourselves. We have that capability of understanding our nature. God knows that He just is. He is eternal in both directions. And we know that we had a beginning and an end physically, and there will be no end of us spiritually. We're going to exist somewhere in one of two places for eternity. And we understand that. We're self-aware in that way. And that's the first way in which we're created in God's image. And there are plenty of more uh, things to mention that, that we are created in the image of God or characteristics that we share with God as far as our personalities or our abilities or our thought processes. Well, we're just going to mention a few things tonight. The next thing I want us to notice is intelligence. In Romans 11 and verse 33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. We know that God is omniscient. God, His intelligence, His wisdom knows no bounds. He knows everything. 
and he's all wise, all knowledgeable. And so we're not going to have a knowledge or a wisdom or an understanding of things on his level. But we are created with an intelligence. And along with that aspect of our being comes the ability to do certain things. Colossians 1 and verse 9 beginning, he said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so we, we understand that uh, we have the ability to learn things. He says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So not only have we been created with this brain, we can work this brain out. We can learn things. We can increase in the knowledge of God. We also have the, the ability to notice the things around us and realize uh, what, the, uh, uh, what the reality is. Over in Psalm... He says that the, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork, right? We can look at that and, and know we are intelligent enough to realize the beauty of creation and realize what a magnificent thing it is and realize the logical conclusion that we've been created. So we, we also have not only the intelligence that God's have, but as God has created the earth the universe and everything we know, we share that characteristic of creativity. Now, we're not going to be able to create things, just speak them into existence, but we can make things and mold things out of materials. We can invent things. Our mind can work in such a way that we can, we can create things that serve the population as a whole or that serve whatever our, our particular... Uh, skill is pointed towards or whatever our job is there's so many people in, in all of these different careers or areas of employment that sometimes they just they get tired of doing the same old thing the same old way and they think there's got to be a better way and so you have people that that file for patents whether it's some kind of surgical patent or it's a patent in a uh, for a machine in a in an industry that can create or, or build the product faster Somebody will invent that. And so we have this creative mind. And in that sense, we're made in God's image. Look at all that God has created and all that He has spoken into existence. And while we're not able to do that, what a blessing it is that with our brain and with our motor skills that He's created us with, we can paint a picture of a mountainside or a lake. We can create art, we can write stories, we can do all kinds of things with our creative minds that the rest of creation doesn't have the ability to do. And if you think about just another difference between us and all the animals, yes, technically, physically, we're animals. But we're separate and apart in that we've been made in God's image. And it's not just that we have a soul. How many animals do you see creating works of art? Most of the time in the animal kingdom, no matter what animal or insect or anything you're talking about, as organized as they seem to be upon observation, 
you have to begin to realize at some point they've been basically programmed to do those things. The, the ant colony that builds an amazing series of tunnels and, 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 and the way that they work and the way they serve their queen, and you think, wow, that is, that's so magnificent how that works out. But what else do they do? They do what they've been designed to do. Now, man is different in that we've been designed, but we've been designed with free will. And so we haven't been designed to just go through the motions to be like little robots. So we have creativity. We have morality. We, we understand right and wrong. And, and for the most part, animals just do what animals do. Uh, wherever you are on the food chain, that's how you deal with things. Because that's the way the, the, that aspect of creation was set up and designed. We already mentioned that we have the ability to learn. But along with that idea of being self-aware, realizing where we are, having the ability to be creative and to learn things, look at the fact that we, we know so much about the universe today. And that we have advanced, technology has advanced to the point where we're discovering new things out in space. We're discovering new things deeper and deeper in the seas. We're digging up new artifacts archaeologically. And we're, we're finding out all these things. And aside from that, we have the ability then to keep on progressing. Whereas the animal kingdom doesn't enjoy that ability. In that sense, we are separate and apart for them completely, from them completely. There's not a single animal, even the apes, that are very close to us. Even they are not created in the image of God. We're created in the image of God. We have creativity. We have morality. We have the ability to learn. We have emotions. The Bible talks about God's emotions. It talks about God being in grief and loving the world. God's kindness, empathy, sorrow. There are times in the Bible it mentions the, the anger of God. And our relationship to God and the worship that we give to God both involve that same uh, ability, that emotion that God has displayed and that He's given us. In John 4 and 24, it said, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we understand that that spirit is literally with that right attitude, with the right emotions. And so our worship to God, our adoration in spirit and in truth to the creator of the universe, the one true and living God, is an emotional thing. It should be. It should be that we can worship in truth, definitely, but also in spirit, with some emotion, with the right attitude. Now what happens today is that you have people that are almost completely emotion and not a lot of truth. And so that kind of turns people off to it altogether. Then, like, well, those, those people are crazy. And sometimes in the Lord's church, we see those overly emotional people out there in the world that claim to be religious, but it's just all emotion. And we say, no, that's not really technically, quote, decently and in order. And so we don't want to be emotional, so we sit here, sit up straight, quiet as a mouse, and hands in your lap, and don't make a peep. 
Well, that's not necessarily worshiping in spirit. It is an emotional thing to worship the one true and living God, our Creator. It's an emotional thing to have a relationship with God. He's created us with the ability to have all of these same emotions that He has displayed. And our relationship to Him is possible because of our emotional capabilities. If you look also then at 1 John 4 and beginning in verse 19. He says, we love Him because He first loved us. We're able to reciprocate. God loved us. He showed us His love. He proved that love to us. And we love Him. And then we live a life proving our love to Him. A life of faithfulness. He says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so we, we understand that it, our relationship with God, our life lived in God's family is an emotional thing. But you know, also, aesthetically, emotions from aesthetics. Just from seeing things. Psalm 19 and verse 1 again. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And even in creating the universe, what does it say that after God created something, what, what does it say? He saw that it was good. It was obviously what He spoke into existence and then He observed it. He obviously realized this is a good thing. It was pleasing to Him. It was aesthetically pleasing. And He thinks, alright, this is going to be a good thing. And then when we look at things, we can tell when something is a beautiful scene. You ever drive down the highway and maybe it's in the evening and there's some clouds in the sky and the sun's going down and it's just the most beautiful color, purple, red, pink, some kind of... There's no way to mix paints in a way that you would get that same color. You know what I'm talking about. When you see that evening sky and it's just that beautiful color that you can't even paint. And even if you take a picture with the highest technologically advanced camera, it won't look the same if you look at the picture of it as if you're looking right at it. Because God has displayed that ability to create these things that are pleasing. And he even said, look, it's good. He saw that it was good. And we can look at creation and see that it's good. We have that ability, that emotional ability, just to recognize when something is beautiful. It's a little bit more difficult, but you can, you can look at things in the wild. You can look at a, uh, a wild tiger or cheetah chasing down an antelope and, and, and then feeding on it. And you can, you can see, you watch that in slow motion, you can see the beauty in the way both of those animals move. And yeah, it's a vicious thing sometimes to think about it like that. But when you look at the way they run and the, the majesty in, in some of those powerful animals and the way they, the way they move through, the, through the, either the jungle or across the plain and, you know, the... A cheetah is able to run faster than a lot of vehicles were for a long time. And so you, you look at that thing run and you think, wow, that is, that's a beautiful thing to see that, that cheetah run. It's a beautiful thing to see a person that is a runner run. It wouldn't be a beautiful thing to see me run. But somebody who's an Olympic 
you know, long distance runner. It, that's a beautiful thing, the way the body is able to work and do that. And so even in those aspects of creation, it, it, beauty is evident. And so we look at those things and see that those things are good. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show us His handiwork. Now, obviously, we are made in the image of God in the sense that we are spiritual beings. So we, we display a lot of these same characteristics that God has shown, that, that uh, emotions that He shows towards others, the creativity the, the uprightness, the morality, the ability to, to learn and grow, all of these things come from God. And just being aware of our situation, being aware of our existence, our consciousness, is that aspect of us that's made in the image of God. But we're made in that spiritual sense. Matthew 16, verse 26, he said, For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And we understand the implied answer to that. There's nothing you can give in exchange for your soul. That is, that is you. That is the single most important aspect of you. That soul is going to exist somewhere, one or two places, for all eternity. And so that is the aspect of our entire being that is literally created in the image of God, our soul, our consciousness. And it's interesting that mankind has yet to discover a, a way to even study or perform an experiment on the consciousness. As if to say, well, where did this come from? How did this develop? And even when you go back to the question of, well, did we evolve or were we created? Did it just happen by accident one day, but the Big Bang, or were we created? And that brings you around to the question, did consciousness intelligence create everything? Or did absolutely nothing eventually evolve, evolve into consciousness and intelligence? Well, which one of those makes more sense? That consciousness that is us, that's the aspect that's created in the image of God. With all the intelligence, with all the creativity, with all of the, the morals and the uprightness and the emotions. He designed us perfectly so that we are suited, perfectly suited for our relationship with Him. Matthew 22 and beginning in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now we've read this verse for years. I've grown up reading this verse, quoting this verse. And you hear sermons and see classes on this very thing. But for whatever reason, just this week is the first time I've really noticed something about what he's saying here. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That is created in God's image, your heart. That goes back to those emotions, the ability to love, the kindness, all the ways that we treat one another, the ways that God has treated us. He loved us with His heart so much that He sent His only begotten Son. Our heart is created in God's image. It is perfectly compatible for our relationship with God. And with all the soul, obviously that's the one, the aspect of us that's created in God's image. 
We are a soul. We're just housed in this old physical body for a little while. And then he says, with all thy mind, with all your intelligence, with all your creativity, your ability to learn, your ability to be aware of yourself and your existence, your mind is created in God's image. Your consciousness. <laughs> Love God with all of these things that, that He has given you so that you can be perfectly compatible and have that relationship with Him. That's amazing. He's given us everything necessary, not just to make it home to heaven and be with Him for eternity, but to have a relationship with Him while we're on this side of things. All thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. Love God with every ounce of your being. Use every aspect of your talents, your abilities, your thought processes to love God and show that love for God. He's created you with all of those things. He's created you in His image so that you're perfectly compatible. Now that flies in the face of the idea that, well, we're just sinful creatures and we're, you know. Yes, we sin, we make mistakes, and we need the blood of Christ to take away those sins to make us worthy of being back in His presence. But it's not as though we're just outright sinful creatures and we don't have a prayer in the world. He's created us so that we can get back to Him and we can have a relationship with Him. We're created in His image. It's just that we messed up the perfection side of that. And He wants to bring us back. I hope that's the case in your life, that you're, you're living in a way that you have that right relationship with God. That you literally love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you understand what all is involved in that. And you strive each day to, like we said this morning, lay hold on eternal life. Be faithful to God, to serve Him, to bring glory to Him. But if we're, if we're not in that situation, whatever the reason, whether we're not a member of His family and we need to be baptized into Christ, or we simply need to make something right with Him, I hope and pray that you would take care of that while we stand and sing. I've wandered far away from God.